friends. Thanks so much for your patience with us as we took some time off from producing podcasts. My family has just moved from Texas to Pennsylvania, and Roxanne has been busy preparing to compete in the 2022 Miss Senior America pageant as Miss Oklahoma Senior America. We had the opportunity to sit down with Miss Senior America 2021, Laura Morgan, and what a delight she is. If you love a good love story, you are in for a treat. Let's get to it. Well, I'm in the presence of Queens today. It's so uh, honoring to uh, be here with Roxanne and Laura Morgan, who is the reigning Mrs. Senior America. Did I say that correctly? Or Miss Senior? Uh, Laura, don't we say, don't we, did we say Miss or did we say Mrs.? I think it's Ms. Yeah. Miss. Ms. Ms. Senior America. America. Yes. So, um, I have just, we've been chatting, as you guys know, we chat before we actually start recording and I'm always wishing we were already recording. So um, I've just so enjoyed getting to know you already, Laura, and really excited for everybody to hear um, your story. Yeah. So you all have to know how I met Laura. Uh, It was actually, we never, we still haven't really met, Uh, but the first time I met her, she didn't meet me. But I met her as I watched her compete in a weird Zoom uh, uh, recorded national pageant. It's like a digital pageant. Who does that? (laughs) But because of COVID and the circumstances, that's what it was. And I fell in love with this woman before she was crowned our current reigning Miss Miss Senior America. And I loved her uh, not only in her philosophy and the way she carried herself, but when she sang, in my mind, she sang beautiful songs from Sound of Music, but she sang, in my mind, with something, I would, I personally would call it the joy of the Lord. It's just that she just exuded um, life and, and joy. And I, I was like, this, this lady, this is my pick. And then the judges picked her too. So then I've been wanting to connect up with her and the Lord used this podcast as a, just a little backdoor reason for me to sneak out. I'm like, Laura, would you be a hidden jewel? And Laura's like, I'm serving God everywhere and anywhere. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so welcome, Laura. I'm so glad I met you you in my heart before you met me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now we're meeting by zoom. And then just so you'll, you listeners will know, Laura and I are going to actually get to meet each other in person in about five weeks in Pennsylvania. About five weeks. Oh my goodness. Be here before we know it. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. So if people don't know, Roxanne will be competing in the national pageant in September. So she is Miss Oklahoma Senior America this year. So very exciting. And um, so Laura, let's just get to it. I'm I'm really, really excited for everybody to hear Mm -hmm. your story. It's so powerful. so where do you want to start? You want to start with just growing up and how life started? Sure. Okay. Um, okay. Basically, I say my biography. I was yeah. born in Washington, D.C., and mm-hmm. my dad uh, was pastor at a church there in uh, East Washington Heights Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., so I was born there, and so was my brother, my younger brother. Uh, my older brother was born um, Atlanta, so, mm-hmm. um, and sometime during, right after I was born, my dad took a mission trip down to Argentina, 
I was two years old at that time. And he comes back and tells my mother, I feel like the Lord has called us in the mission field. So, <laughs> so with a, uh, my younger brother being six months, with my being two years old, and my older brother four years old, we pack up and we move down to South America. Um, actually go to Costa Rica for one year because they had to go to language school in Costa Rica to learn the Spanish language. And so I was there from age two to three. Don't remember anything about Costa Rica, but um, started speaking my little Spanish when I was learning English. And and so then at the age of three, we moved to Argentina to Buenos Aires, uh, which is the capital of Argentina and the Paris of South America and um, lived there until I was 14. And came back to the States and because of all the, the terrorism that was going on down there, we were unable to return. Um, oh. So we had to resign. My dad had resigned from the mission field, which was sad for me because that was the only fan. That was my family. I was there overseas from two until 14 and, um, yeah. but grew up in a, in a beautiful place and had the opportunity to learn a second language and experience a different culture. And um, so anyway, then moved back to eventually to North Carolina um, mm-hmm. where I've been living pretty much ever since, except for when I got remarried and moved to Germany. But, yeah. um, so I went to college in North Carolina and, um, yeah, and yeah. settled now in North Carolina. Right. So I think that's amazing that you, you're fluent in Spanish mm-hmm. still, right? Is that pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Estudio, estudio Española en la Escuela para Cinco Años, ah. pero no practico mucho, después no recuerdo mucho. Sí, pero ahora en, en Pennsylvania vamos a tener que practicar, ¿no, Roxanne? Tenemos que practicar el español. Si no, no esto, esto, esto. Okay, Karna, let's go back. That was great. Yeah. That was great. Okay. <laughs> um, and so uh, you got married. Is that... Is there anything else you want to say in the middle of that or talk about um, like leading up to uh, your, your first marriage or. Oh, yes. I was, um, I had graduated from Meredith college in Raleigh, an all girls mm-hmm. school. And I uh, was working on the court of appeals there in Raleigh. And I met this gentleman who's an attorney and um, he lived um, about an hour out of Raleigh. And so we dated and got married mm-hmm. and we're married for about 13 years, have two mm-hmm. beautiful boys and um, I did a lot, a lot, a lot of musical theater. Uh, oh. That was actually the first bunch of musical theater I did, even though I've been singing and playing piano all my life. My mm-hmm. first musical theater production was when I did Evita. And then, um, then I, of course, oh, yeah. well, I was not, I was not Evita. I was one of the aristocrats, but it was, I was a, a minor lead. How's that? So anyway. <laughs> but um, I, but love first, I love musical theater. Oh, yeah. But I, I don't I don't sing uh, uh, professionally and I I told you I play the piano and I can't do it professionally, but I love it. I'm the backup of everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, it's it's just to me, you're a different person on stage. And my first actual big leading role was I was a princess in Once Upon a Mattress, Princess mm-hmm. Winifred. And, you know, Beth Princess and the P. And I found out like a night before opening night that I was indeed pregnant. Um with my firstborn, who's probably about the size of P at that time, because I was yeah. only four weeks pregnant. So, yeah. so anyway, wow. so in, then I've been doing musical theater forever since then. Mm. Do you still do it? Um, the last thing I did was Carousel and Concert. And then I did Smoke. Oh, I actually did Smoke on the Mountain. I played Vera Sanders in Smoke on the Mountain, which is everybody on stage. And that was here in, in uh, Southern Pines, Pinehurst area. But everybody on stage has to sing 
act and play a musical instrument. So it's it's a it's a cute little story. It's a cute little musical. So that's the so last. So I was Princess Ying Yalak in The King and I, and I was right. Scarlet in Little Abner, and that's about the end of it. Oh. But my mom majored in drama, and she lived a life in musical theater because she could sing like a rock star. Yeah. And I grew up under her dramatic influence and was in plays, but I I really didn't get the gift of singing like a rock star. So it it was a short lived season, but I herald what you have done. And I, I'm sitting in your audience in my heart. (laughs) Okay. So you were in musical theater and you met your, uh, your husband. Well, I was, I was doing, I was middle doing Evita and, uh, I had met my, my, my boyfriend at the time I met him and, um, then moved after he got married, I moved to Lumberton, North Carolina, where he was in practice with his family. Uh, his family been in law practice there since 1908, I think. And I lived there up until, um, I, I got divorced 13 years later, um, as a, and also single parent for six years. And then I met my present husband while I was still living there in Lumberton and then moved to Germany when, yeah. with him. So, okay, well, the, the listeners didn't get to hear the uh-huh. romantic love story part of it, but we do want you to share the God story beneath all this this mm-hmm. of your life. Because I know nobody uh, is dying to have uh, a broken marriage, and yet right. you have this incredible man that you're married to. So tell mm-hmm. us more of that story. Hey, well, you know, I, before you start, Laura, I just want to say you had said something to us when we were chatting earlier about that season before you that six years in between marriages right and I and you said something that was intriguing to me that you said you were enjoying life at that Mm -hmm. point you weren't really looking for anything so um, I wondered if you might want to talk about that journey Mm -hmm. of coming out of the marriage and then how you got to that point of really finding your joy yeah Yeah. finding your joy there yeah well it was unfortunately a, a a Um, not the best marriage and there was some physical abuse and uh, then he um, had an affair and then left me and left me as a single parent to a second grader and fifth grader Um, and during that time it was it was kind of a dark time it it really was it was I mean this was like right there when the World Trade Center got bombed and you know I remember my mother came over and I was in this big depression and you know I was a single parent and I had just had someone to walk out on me and the kids and um and I was I started thinking you know there's so many people that have lost their lives and she says you know just stop right there there are facts and the facts is that people did lose their lives in that thing and it's really but the fact that matters is if it's going through your heart and if it's something you're going through it's important to God I mean yeah you know and so the facts that matter and so um and th- there was a lot of going on stuff after that um after my divorce and I had to end up going back to work because I was a stay-at-home mom and um I got a job in a local high school because I came to the same hours as you know I could my kids and um but I think it, it was once my ex-husband uh divorced the woman he left me for um that we were then able to be good co-parents now to our kids and life because it was not smooth for about six years after my divorce and finally when he and I were finally able to co-parent I was in a good time I was in a good place and I was happy I was you know I was a single parent still and in my heart I still longed to meet someone and Mm -hmm. um and I did eventually Mm -hmm. but um I, I think there are times I wish I had been stronger during those six years and uh, a better parent 
but it's just amazing how God takes these times, even when you're not on your, on your best and he can turn that out, you know, turn around and make it work for good. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so, but it was just, I had, I had my parents behind me. I had friends behind me. I had the Lord with me. So it, it going through all that, I mean, I couldn't have done it without God, number one, and without my parents and family and friends. So mm-hmm. they got me through a little dark space into a really good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a friend that actually told you about your husband, right? Right. Okay. So I was, like I said, I've been a single parent and I, it was a full day and I got a call from a good friend of mine whose boyfriend knew me um, just from church because I played piano for the children's choir and his really best friend from med school was coming into town before moving to Germany with the army and she wanted me to meet him for dinner and I was just like I, I, I can't I, I don't have time I am way too busy I had my son's strings concert it was I think by that time he was maybe eighth grade or something um my mother who's a concert pianist and a, a brain tumor dying of a brain tumor had fallen that day and broken her wrist and I had to go to the hospital you know to take care of that and I had a birthday dinner I was in charge of uh and she's like I really really think you need to meet this guy I think you're really going to regret it if you don't because he's just here overnight and it was truly that I think the Holy Spirit that just said yeah make some time carve out that little bit of space and so anyway I said okay how about 9 30 coffee you know at midnight and so we did and, and the rest is history <laughs> but um so who asked, it, who, who asked for coffee at 9 30 I know I know so had I not listened to the Holy Spirit I, you know I I, I shudder to think where I would have been today because I would have missed that golden opportunity and Okay, but Laura, you know what? Your first response was no, right? Right. And your unction, I mean, this unction that we get this for your friend to say, hey, I love you, but you need to reconsider. And then for your unction to trust her and to give a yes. I think sometimes um, we don't listen to that still quiet voice that is calling us. Yeah. Of course, she also told me he was stationed at Fort Bragg, which was... 45 minutes from my house I thought okay that's that's great that's doable you know and then I found out that night he was actually going to be stationed in Germany I looked at my and I thought okay God you do have a sense of humor because you've set me up this incredible guy (laughs) and he lives in Germany and I live in North so anyway so it got to be kind of a fun thing so so did you date him long distance in Germany Mm -hmm. I did I I can think I can think of worse things to do Oh, I know. I know. Well, he didn't leave until three weeks later, but he was in Fort Gordon, Georgia. So that was, um, but so he got, came back so you Florida. actually got to date locally for three weeks. Right. Right. He came back, he came to Lumberton a few times and, um, we went on dates. He was able to meet my mom and dad and he took it upon himself to meet my brother in Atlanta before he left. Um, cause it's, it's like, we knew, we knew this was going to be it. And, um, and then he moves, he goes back to Germany where he was going to be stationed in Heidelberg, Germany. And then he flew me over for about six weeks and he and his, his son was living with him. And so we traveled everywhere. And, um, and then of course, throughout the year, he would come back and forth or he would fly me out to Germany. So it was, it was just a across the ocean romance and mm-hmm, courtship. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so you mentioned he, um, he flew you out to propose right 
He did. He did. He um he he and his son were members of the Heidelberg Ski Club, and so they're going to be skiing in Saint Vites, Austria. And so he um he flew my boys and me, and then his daughter, who was living in Georgia with her mother, he flew the all of us out to to Germany, and then we all traveled into Saint Vites, Austria. And then what, and was little, the guy was the guys a ski trip, or did you know you were going to get proposed to? No, I didn't know I was going to get proposed to. You know, you're kind of hoping it's it's that romantic spot, and um, and we had been dating six months by that time, and so we went to the midnight mass, uh, Christmas mass, a little tiny little thousand year old chapel, whatever. And after it was over, I went up and looked at the creche. It's a little Catholic church, and I went up and looked at the creche and everything. When I turned around, he was on his knees, uh, on his one knee, holding out the diamond and his. You know, the children were taking pictures with their cell phone and he proposed and he had talked to my boys and basically asked their permission for my hand in marriage, kind of like, yeah, oh. and um, the night before. And so he proposed in front of all four children. And he did that because he wanted our kids to see that this is a commitment. We are committing to each other um, because all four of our children had been through divorce situations and he just wanted them to know that this is the real, this is a real deal. And, mm-hmm. you know, your mom and I and um, are, are committed to each other. So, mm-hmm. and then, then we flew back to North Carolina and he was still in Germany and we got married six months after that. So <laughs> in North Carolina or Germany, uh, we got married in North Carolina. My dad uh, did service um, there at my church in, in North Carolina. So and then, and then I moved to Germany, um, and then I moved back here to the States to get my boys ready to move them to Germany to go to school in, in the fall. And so they lived with us there. So, yeah. So how long was your season in Germany? Um, we were there for three years. Uh, he, um, Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Uh, my Deutsch is schlecht. Oh. I just know that when you order, you have to stick your thumb up. They start with one with your thumb. And, uh, but it, it was a beautiful time and we traveled everywhere. Um, now we had two seniors. My oldest was a senior. His oldest was a senior when we got married. And then my youngest was in ninth grade. So our two oldest were able to graduate, you know, have their junior senior in a palace and graduate. And the, I mean, it was just amazing. Um, and my ninth grader. So they were able to ski on all the Austrian Alps and the German Alps and the Italian. I mean, it was just a wonderful time for our boys in um, his daughter would fly over. It was just, you know, uh, such an amazing experience because I had grown up overseas. My husband had grown up overseas, but my children had never been overseas. So this was such a gift for them. Mm. Uh, it worked out beautifully. So. Wow. So, um, how was it having, um, you know, blending your families here? You are, you get married and you've got these four teenagers, right? They're all around the same age. They're very close right. in age. Yeah. How was that? It was exciting. Um, you know, like I said, we had three boys living with us. So it was a, a bunch of, you know, three boys and my husband and tons of laundry all the time. And, you know, and um, we lived in sterile housing and I, I never had, I have two boys. So I didn't have a daughter. So now I'm getting a, she was 15 at the time, a 15 year old daughter and just loved her to death. And just, she would come over, like I said, back and forth and visit. So it's, it's, it's not the easiest thing. Blended families are not the easiest, but it wasn't that age where they're like, oh, you're not my mom. And you know, that kind of thing. And they, there was no rebellion. Um, mm-hmm. I think everybody just got along beautifully and 
they still do. Um, oh. So it was just a, a great, because I, I, I'd never been through a divorce situation. You know, my parents right. were happily married. I mean, nobody in my family and, and his family. So yeah. it, this is all new to me at the age of 47, becoming a new stepmother, moving to a foreign country. And um, so. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so you guys have been married now for 15 years, right? 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, when you came back, have you been working or, um, well, we came back from Germany and we moved to Fort Bragg and uh-huh. the army put my husband through the executive MBA program. Okay. And so after he finished that, we moved to Fort Hood, Texas. We were out there for, for nine months and then moved back to Fort Bragg, okay. uh, which I was glad to be home because, you know, my, my mother was deceased at the time. His father was deceased at the time, but my dad was starting on the verge of Alzheimer's and um, his mother was not doing well. We had four kids in college back in North Carolina and Georgia. So we needed to get back to this area. Yeah. Um, I just got very involved in the community here in Pinehurst, which is where he was stationed. He was stationed at Fort Bragg. Um, started working at a little, little boutique and cause I'm such a people person. I, I love working retail and, um, but just did a lot of stuff with the theater here, got involved in, uh, I started chairing the South, uh, the, I'm sorry, the Sand Hills Christian Women's Connection, which is under the Stonecroft Ministry. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, I, I had been involved in that when I lived in Raleigh. I was the chairman of the After Five group, but I became the chairman and um, just very active in my church and the choir and the community and sang a lot for fundraisers. So, um, but just, no, I, I never worked full-time, just very, very part-time, mm-hmm. but just enough because my husband and I were empty nesters now and we love to travel. Yeah. So this, it was a perfect little job to have. Yeah. <laughs> so, so after after you go through a broken marriage and you go through six years where you said, this is my favorite thing. You said, I wasn't my best in the six years, but I learned that God could bring greater good, even when you're not your best. That's good. And so then you went through the six years and then you meet this great guy. And now you have a blended family and now you get to look hindsight and our listeners get to hear uh, what you, what you learned through all that. Uh, that you could look back going, wow, I, that's really clear now, but it wasn't clear through it all. Right, right. Well, I think when you're when you're going through that season, um, you don't think you're ever going to get out and it's not going to ever get better. I mean, I mean, I just, there were times I thought, I, I don't know if I can make it. And like I said, those six years after my divorce, it was just a real rough time. I was still over here dealing with the ex and, you know, the other person, all that. Um and, and you just, you wish, I, I look back on it now, I said, I wish I had been stronger. I wish I had been able to stand up better for myself and protect my children better. But you learn that no matter what you go through, um, even when you're not at your best, like I said, you know, God can take that. And had I not gone through that, I would not have been able to experience what I'm going through right now. And I think, I think too, we're allowed to go through things in our life because then we can turn that around and glorify God and everything because, but by God, I would not have been where I am right now. And I, I know that with, from the bottom of my heart and it was, I, I don't, I don't ever take my life for granted because it's just one of those things you, you truly know that this was definitely a God thing, you know, the way we met um, and 
he can take, he can take a bad situation and turn it for best. You know what God, I mean, what man intends for bad, God can take and make it for good. Mm -hmm. I love when you said, uh, we are allowed Mm -hmm. to go through difficult times Mm -hmm. and I I would encourage the listener to hear your word (laughs) aloud Mm -hmm. because you and I know that if trials bring about the perfecting of our character, would we actually pray for them? Mm -hmm. Right. And would we pray for trials for our children? Would we pray for trials in this life? And then you said, but we are allowed them. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, as Christians, we don't, I mean, God is not one who's going to come and put something on you. I mean, he doesn't cause cancer. He doesn't cause breaking. He doesn't cause any of that. I mean, this is a broken world we live in. Things happen. Um, But he can take. You know, it's, it's like that verse, it says not, you know, all things are not good, but all things work together yeah. for good to them who honor the Lord. And I, I truly believe that because there's a lot of brokenness in this world, um, but everything is not good, but all things work together for good. And I think, I mean, if we had everything wonderful happen to us, how can we appreciate the good when, when everything's perfectly good? And, and that's what I'm saying. I think God allows us to go through dark times because there's always that teaching moment that comes out of it and because of those dark times you can look back and say you know wow again but by god you know there but by the grace of god go why um so i think that's it's it's important to realize that not so all it, things are good so in your six years where you would maybe use the word dark times you said you said he is with us in dark times And I know you said your six years were really hard on you. So I I presume that's some of your description of dark times. I'm guessing your soul knew that God is good and God is faithful, but your reality felt unsure. Right. And so, so it it probably beckons all of us to when we're unsure of ourselves, that doesn't change the goodness of God, which is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right. And yet the reality is in our flesh, we feel unsure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so and, and it, I'm sorry. I just love your story that you were unsure, but that didn't change God's faithfulness to right. grow you and, and get and, and purpose in you. And there, you know, I mean, and, and you're human. There, there are times to just question God and say, why, you know, I was really, really, really wanting to, to meet someone. I felt my heart of hearts that I was, needing to be married and wanting to be married. And I think if, if some people, God gives a gift of singleness, but that's not me. And I wanted a father figure for my boys, a wonderful, you know, very committed father figure. And, and I love the idea of being married. Um, and, but I allowed, I allowed depression. I allowed all that, um, the badness to take a hold of me. And that's why, that's why I keep saying, I wish I had been, stronger and a better parent during those times as opposed to you know crying everything something would happen or just falling apart everything something you know something would happen and um it was it was still a lot of challenge with my ex and um the woman he had left me for and um she literally made it life was like a living hell on earth basically um uh, for those six years but but again, once he and I were finally able to co-parent again and become good friends again, it, it, it should have taken that. It, I should have been able to depend truly on God um, because, I mean, God doesn't give that, that spirit of fear. I mean, he, he, you know, 
he wants us to feel his presence all the time. And I, I should have been, I should have been better, but God didn't take that and say, uh-huh, so you messed up. So I'm not going to, he, he still blesses. He still lets things work together for good. And then you get to tell the story of, I love when you said, I allowed depression to take hold. And then you also said, we are allowed, you use the word allowed. It was good, <laughs> we, are, we are allowed to go through difficulties. Mm -hmm. And then I allowed depression to take hold. Mm -hmm. And the truth of it is we get to choose a lot. There's things we don't choose because I know you didn't choose mm -hmm. for your first marriage to end. Right. And I know you didn't want to choose. Uh, you said I allowed depression to take hold. Mm -hmm. And I just want to, our listeners to hear that if we could all go back and tell our younger selves something. Right, right. I'm guessing you would yeah. tell you, and then you said God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but you probably felt afraid. Oh, yeah, yeah. And again, I mean, it's it's one of those things, I, I look back at myself now and say, okay, self, you should have been, you know, that <laughs> years ago, you should have been able to stand up for yourself. You should have been able to be a better parent, stronger parent. And I, I didn't. I, I, and I use that word aloud again, I allowed fear and um, to take over. Um, I was thrust into being a single parent. I, I didn't have the kind of livelihood to have a job that would, you know, be able to support the boys and me. And I was very dependent on my ex and for child support and, and this little job I took in, in the high school to get by because I still wanted something where I could be without a full-time job putting my kids in daycare all the time. I didn't want that. I didn't stay with my mom all these years. Um, and thank goodness I had my parents living in the same town. So they were able to help me with boys and everything. But it's just, I look back at myself now and thinking, why did I let that happen? I mean, why did I let fear take over? Why? I mean, when you're serving an all powerful God, and uh, I, I read this devotional yesterday. It was just talking about when we know we have a God out there who is greater than he that is within us, but that should, that should take care of us right there. But we're still frail. We're still weak. We're still human. And we just, you know, we, we don't, it's not that we forget it. We know it, but it's getting it from our head down into our heart. And sometimes those two just don't work together and mm -hmm. they need to. And I wish I had done that for the five, six years beforehand. And um, do you think um, I, I'm just listening to this thinking, wow, there must have been so much grief in the midst of that, you know, such loss and betrayal. And I think sometimes, um, you know, we, as women, we push forward, right. You know, we do what needs to get done. And, um, and sometimes, you know, even taking just a moment to realize how much we've lost and the reality that grief really affects us, right. We can't always, um, process and handle things as we might think we should, right. um, or would want to, you know, um, but I'm just so glad I'm just reminded about how we have this high priest that sympathizes with our weaknesses. Oh yeah. And, um, and so I think, you know, there's so much grace there in that. I don't think, um, I don't think God was like, sheesh, Laura, get it together. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think he sympathized with your weaknesses and, and he carried you, you know? Right. And I think too, when we go through these things, 
I mean, as soon as I started working at the high school, someone came up to me. And of course, it was a small town. Everybody knew everything. You're part of the rumor mill there. And I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. and she's like, I'm kind of going through the same thing you were going through. Can you help me? Yeah. And so you're realizing that you didn't like going through these steps. You didn't like being the single parent. You didn't like being, you know, going through everything you had to. But you can now turn around and help someone else. Yeah. You know, I I don't know what would be like to lose a child. Um, you know, I have two healthy, wonderful boys. So I couldn't help someone like that except just say, I'll, I'll pray for you, nothing. But I can right. help someone who's lost both parents, who's gone through an affair, who's, you know, I, I can help someone who's done that. And I think that's why I keep going to my little word there aloud. I think that's why God does allow us. He doesn't put these things on us. But if he, you know, we, he gave us free will to do what we want. And if he corrected everything wrong in our life, then that's not, you know, that's not, I don't know what the word I'm trying to think of. That's, well, I don't, th- I don't think we grow by somebody else wanting us to grow, whether it's right. the Lord or anybody else. And we actually grow through walking through things that make us grow. So Laura, it, it we, we've, agreed that we all have choice. And I, I love when you said, why do we let fear take over? Yeah, well, we do. Right. And, and then when you pretty much said we have choice, I, I wrote my no- notes, we have choice, but some of them are hard, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. hard choices to make. And like you said, basically, I didn't make all the best choices, except right. somewhere in there undergirding all that you, you choose to know that God was still good and holy. And he he went and he goes through all of it with us even right. when we're not feeling it and i i want what would you say in looking in hindsight to your younger self which is the woman that might be in the middle of a breaking up marriage now or brokenness now or she's in her six years of uh if this is this is not how it's supposed to be it's kind of like transitional years because you were no longer married to that guy and you were no longer yet living in the fullness of the future you were in this unknown transition right what would you now say to yourself looking back uh your younger 20 30 40 something year old self that you have now learned uh about maybe the faithfulness god or, or how life turns yeah. out I, w- I would tell someone that it's okay to ask for help it is okay because I tried to internalize everything. I tried to correct everything myself. I tried to, I, you know, um, I was embarrassed about what I was going through. I was, um, I, I let fear take over. And it was like, I would tell myself in my younger days, it is okay to be human. It is okay to break down. It is okay to say, I need help, whether it be you know, God, or whether it be your family members or friends, it is okay. Uh, You don't have to take this thing on by yourself. I mean, we know God is with us, but sometimes I think we even forget to ask God, you know, Mm -hmm. Hey God, I need help in this. You know, we, we, we just want to do everything on our own. We on our own time and, and I can do this, you know, I'm woman, hear me roar. Well, I'm not. And it is okay. And I would tell someone just let go and let God and, let go and let your family, let go and let your friends, they are there for you. When, when people, and that's why now when someone's going through something, I'll say, look, you call me no matter. And I mean it because it's like, I know what it's like to hear people say, oh, just call me whenever. And you do, and you get the answering service all the time, Mm -hmm. but 
I know what it's like to sit in the darkness and need someone to talk to and someone to just scream out to and just cry out to. And we know we can do that with God, but sometimes we need that human touch, that human presence right there. Um, So it is okay. It is okay. I wrote down, don't sit in your darkness alone. Mm -hmm. Because I think we tend to, when we're in this, uh, I think sometimes when we're in our darkest places, we feel a little, I think you use the word embarrassed. I think the enemy kind of puts a little shame on us. Like, I love God. Why am I supposed, why am I feeling so miserable? And we don't want to talk about it. And the enemy wants us to stay in the darkness by Mm ourselves. And I love when you said, uh, let go, let God, let go, call a friend, let go, reach out. Don't be in your darkness alone. Mm -hmm. Such good gold, Laura. Well, I mean, you can't, I mean, if if you did try to do it all alone, it, it just, you know, your mind just does so much and you just have to be able to, when people say, I'm here for you. And I tell people that all the time, I'm praying for you, you know, mean it and take advantage of that. If someone is there and they say, I'm praying for you, call me whenever, when you're down at night and you can't get sleep or whatever, pick up that phone and call that person. Or, um, you know, my mother used to sing this song to me all the time. It's like, when I am weary and cannot sleep, just good. Uh, let's see. Just count your blessings instead of sheep and I'll go to sleep counting my blessings. I don't know what that was from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and I think sometimes we just forget to count our blessings. And and I think too, when we pray for others, that's healing us as well. Um, so. Mm, oh my good. gosh, I'm writing down some When we pray for others, it heals us as well. Okay, also, I want to highlight for our listeners, it heals others as well. Uh, When you said, um, mean it when you say, I am here for you. So I'm going to beckon the listener. If you know someone that's going through a hard time now, and they're going through their six years in the darkness, or they're going through their deep valley, and you are aware that they're in their dark season. Right. Laura's challenging all of us today to when we say I'm here for you to actually be here. And I, I want to follow through and I want to encourage our listeners to follow through who did God put on your heart when you know, someone's in a deeper, dark place. Mm-hmm. And when you said, I'm here for you, I just going to challenge that person to pick up the phone, mm-hmm. go the, the extra mile, reach out and actually put actions to right. their words because you said that now this is a new mantra you live by. I am here for you, but I think you you just don't say it lightly anymore. You actually mm-hmm. want to be here for them. And I do think, because I have a couple friends that you're, I'm going to reach out to after this phone call, mm-hmm. that I say I'm here for them mm-hmm. and almost am busy enough that, yeah. but if, and I've learned through so many people that showing up, whether it's in a phone call or at the door with a pizza Mm -hmm. showing up in, in the pain looks just like Jesus. Right. And my mother, she passed away, like I said, in 2007. And she, I remember at her funeral, my uncle spoke up and said, Laura, excuse me, Laura Cave is the most powerful, powerful woman I've ever met. 
And he said, not because she had all these degrees, not because, you know, she had a big high paying job, or whatever. it's because she could make everybody, no matter who they were, no matter what walk of life they came from, no matter what, feel like they were the most important person in life, the most important. And she was so like that. And I remember leaving the funeral that day and thinking, that's how I want to be remembered. Um, and I think that's what's so important. And my my whole, my whole, um, uh, not my philosophy, but my whole um, platform is reaching women where they are and as they are, because you just don't know what people are going through. You just don't know what someone's going through. I mean, I, I was an actress, and so people would see me on the street, and I'd be smiling all the time, and now I've got this going on, but my insides were, were I was just dying on the inside, and, and you, you know, you try to cover up, you try to be that and that's why I said, you know, it's okay to let go. It's okay to, but that was my, that was my thing. My mother was tr truly that Proverbs 31 woman. She loved the Lord and she loved, she made everybody, no matter who they were, feel like they were the most important person in the world. Um, and th this is, this is a, the day I was having my national interviews for Senior America. I was very, very nervous. Obviously, that's my biggest interview I've ever <laughs> Apply, I mean, biggest job I've ever applied for. And I'm in my bathroom because it's going to be on Zoom and I want to make sure my makeup looked just right and everything because you're still uh, as if you're going to appear in person, which you are going to be doing, Roxanne, and at nationals. And I was in there and I went to the, my uh, window <clears throat> to look at myself in the natural light, just make sure I wasn't anything garish or whatever. And I've been in this house for nine years. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this hummingbird comes and appears inches from my face and hovers for like 30 seconds and then just takes off. The hummingbird was my mother's favorite bird. Mm -hmm. And of course I'm like starting to tear up and my husband walks in, he goes, what's wrong? I said, I just saw a hummingbird outside my window. And he goes, honey, you got an interview in five minutes. You need mm -hmm. to get your face all cleaned up. That just shows that God is letting you know that you've got this. And he's sending a message from your mom that she is with you. And so that's why my senior America sash, I have a hummingbird. And, um, and I think, you know, God has a way of just those little serendipity things yes. that he knows you need at that particular moment. Um, and it's like he, his timing is, it's like we talked about earlier, you know, when I was moving to Germany, leaving a mother who was dying of a brain tumor, father's on the verge of Alzheimer's. And I had to make that decision. Do I leave? and moved to get married. And my mother and dad both looked at me and they said, we have prayed for six long years that God brings someone wonderful into your life. Or you can look to God and say, thank you for bringing this amazing man into my life, but your timing is just wrong. They said, no, God's timing is always perfect. It's not our timing, it's his timing. And then when it's perfect, you better be prepared because when he well, says, and I, you love, I love that we know as parents, mm -hmm. Your parents knew they were frail and their days were numbered, right. but their daughter, mm -hmm. the daughter's heart was, uh, you know, in, in transition. And mm -hmm. for a parent to go, I may go on, but I want you to stay right. in a, in the most whole place and the Lord's giving it to you mm -hmm. and to give you the freedom and permission. This is the undying, unfaithful, unconditional love of a mother right. and a father's heart that you saw firsthand. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a, probably one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life. Sure. But sure. my mother, I truly feel like God allowed my mother to live long enough to see me happily remarried. 
because um, she died of the glioblastoma and that is a death sentence. I mean, there's like months before you are gone, but she lived, you know, almost, almost three years. Well, and you know what? You got to be the answer to her prayers. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in closing, you mm-hmm. and I know that we have to deliver a philosophy of life on the spot. Right. I have heard yours once, but our listeners haven't heard yours. I know you probably can say it in your sleep, mm-hmm. plus or minus a few words. Yeah. So could, would you mind closing and sharing your philosophy of life? Because you did say uh, when my mother, when my mother's um, make everybody feel like they're the most important person in the world. And, and you've said some other things that alluded to things you are and you believe. Mm-hmm. Would you do Would you do us a favor and close our session with I mean, your philosophy of life? The philosophy I did when I won. Okay. So my philosophy was life imitates art and my life imitates my life imitates roles I've played in musical theater. Like like Nellie in South Pacific, we've all had to wash a few men out of our hair. Like Maria in Sound of Music, a handsome soldier did propose to me on the Austrian Alps. And like Peter Pan, I still refuse to grow up or grow old. Life is not a dress rehearsal. You only have that one chance on stage. And until that curtain is drawn, I'm going to keep on singing. I never get over what a privilege it is to glean all of this wisdom. I just love doing this podcast. And we have many episodes recorded for you that we can't wait to share. So until then, remember, you are a precious jewel in the eyes of Jesus. Your story matters. Let the world see you so they may see him.